it's my Bible. I believe it's God's word. I believe every word is true. And it's all I need. John chapter 10. And it is a continuation of Jesus' passion to bring, bring this message to those who are not believing. Because they're so stubborn. They're so hard-hearted. They don't want to hear. And it's so relevant to because today we have the same thing. I mean, you and I read this story in John 10 today. We hear about the shepherd and the sheep. And we think, who wouldn't want that kind of love and protection? And in that kind of um, unconditional uh, care, I mean, it, it's who wouldn't want that? And yet, and yet, they they refuse. So um, we have to hear this today, but continue from last week. You know, Jesus said when he ended the ninth chapter, he said to them, he said, hey, you know, it was kind of a a mind getter or an attention getter. He's trying to get them to see. Do you realize that when you're blind, you know that's a good thing. When you when you are um, when you are uh, emotionally and when you're spiritually blind, that means you want to know. You realize you don't have the answer yourself. You can't do it on your own. When you're blind, he says, that's when you come humble to the cross and you realize that's the that's the salvation that happens in an instant. And then he will then be your voice to go back into your world and lead and guide you. He says, when you're blind, that's a good thing. Because then you come to the place where the only place where your sins can be forgiven. But if you think you can see, and, you know, religious people can get into that mindset that, oh, I got the answers. I know. And they, he said, your guilt your guilt will remain. You, you will remain in your sins. Now, that should have spurred them on to say, wait a minute here. I might have this all wrong. I thought being intellectually smart and being religious and working my way up to the top of this religious ladder, I thought that was what's going to do it. But they were so self-threatened that they wouldn't. It's not that they couldn't. I mean, he was ready to answer. He, they could have, but they wouldn't. And he didn't give up. He didn't give up. So he continues today. And he says in this chapter, I tell you the truth. Now, I'm hoping you, you stop right away and say, all right, I need to listen. This is a life-changing statement. When he says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, the only way, climbs in. He's going to climb in some other way. He's a thief. He's a robber. So he's trying to get these men to see that 
you don't come in to this pit, I mean, what a visual, right? What a visual for them, you know, I mean, sheep and shepherds. It was common. It was very common. So it was a perfect illustration. So when he said, okay, you see this sheep pen, see the sheep, see the shepherd, there's no holes, there's one way, there's one gate, and that's the way, and if you try to get in any other way, you're a, you're a thief, you're a robber, you're a cheater, you're, I mean, he says, I mean, that's so easy to get, so it's just simple, there's only one way to get in here. He goes on and says, the watchman opens the gate, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So he calls them, he leads, they come in, the sheep come in, and then the sheep, the shepherd will call them by name, they know his voice, and he calls them out, and then they follow. Now, you know, again, so easy to, to figure this and to um, picture this. And then when he says, and when he has brought them all out, when he, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will not follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Now, again, that is not an hard concept to picture. All he's trying to say is, you can only, if you want to be my sheep, you can only come in one way, and then I will call you out, and I will be your shepherd. I will lead you through your life. I mean, that's not a hard concept. And then look what, I mean, and you're not talking to, to ignorant men here. You're talking to smart cookies who are very, not only intellectual in their mind, but religiously, they are not, if you don't mind me saying, they're not stupid. And yet, and he's speaking in such an easy analogy. So he said, Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand he was, what he was telling them. Now, why didn't they? They didn't want to. I hope you see that. And we're taking the time a minute because it's just, there's such a difference between couldn't and wouldn't. And we have to think about that for our own self. We, we hear things with our physical ears, but if we don't want to listen, and he will say that word again later. And remember last week when the, when the man was healed from being born blind? Remember when he dared stand up to the Pharisees and when he said to them, when they said, well, what happened to you again? I told you. The problem is you don't listen. And he knew, I mean, that took a lot of nerve, but he knew that they heard, they heard him tell this story before, but they chose not to listen to the whole idea that it was Jesus who is the son of God, who is the only one. They don't want to hear that. So again, remember it 
all of our learning, you know, do we really, at all of our reading and studying, is this something you want? Or is it something that you just can choose? Remember, too, that there was some uh, disciples, you know, that decided to just take off and leave. They weren't the 12, but um, they were some followers that said, no, no, you know what? It's getting a little too close. It's getting a little too too hard. It's getting a little too confrontational. It's getting a little too uneasy. I think it's easier for me to just walk away. I don't want to hear this. It's gonna make me have to change. It's gonna have. It's gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna be so. Um, it's so beyond. I just want to plug in on Sunday morning. I just. I want. I will give God certain times, but then I want to. I want to say in my own life. And He gave us a word picture this morning said, if you want to be one of my sheep, if you, then you come in the one gate and you try to get in any other deceitful, any other way. And some, some, you know, they think, I can hop the fence. I mean, look how, what a good person I am. Look how many church churches I've attended, how many services I've been to. I mean, so many reasons. Those are all lies. Those are lies. And you can't get in that way. I mean, this is a story you and I have heard since we were children. And it's probably the best and most powerful gospel stories, black and white. You can't fool around with this. Because it's this way or no way. And so I think, you know, it's such a, you know, cute story. And we've all seen the, our flannel graph, you know, the shepherd and the sheep following and that. But it is a choice you make. And you said, it goes this way. Sheep in is salvation. You come in one way. And then I will call you by name because you have chosen to be one of mine and you then will follow me the rest of your life. You follow the shepherd. Then it says that they didn't want to hear, they didn't want to understand. So Jesus said, all right, let me spell it out to you. I am I am the gate. I'm the door. Either way you want to look at it. I'm the gate. I'm the door. All who ever came before me, I mean, even, even the Old Testament, even everybody who tried to think that they, they either could save or be the Savior or save themselves, He's anybody who came before me were thieves and robbers, for the sheep did not listen to them. So he's saying, I want you to see that all of the prophets and all of those who foretold, they were trying to tell you about the one and only. You think about Israel and how when, when things didn't go their way, then they would go to other gods. That's, that's unfathomable. 
I mean, God took them from Egypt through the Red Sea, um, through the desert. I mean, there were consequences that they should have learned from. And yet, they kept wanting to believe the easy way out. They wanted to believe a lie. They wanted to believe what their itching ears wanted to hear. And that's so today. People want salvation. They want a relationship with the Savior but they want it on their terms, and they want it easy, and it doesn't work that way. So you have to decide. I mean, you really do. You have to decide. And so he repeats, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me, whoever enters through me. So what what is he saying? He made the way. He made that, that opening into the salvation pen. He made it for who? Anyone, anyone who, who, who wants it, anyone who wants it. And that's the kicker. He's opened up the salvation pen for anyone. And then, so whoever takes on kind of two, two meanings, whoever. So it's open wide, but whoever wants it and makes that conscientious choice to come in. You hear, it's kind of like what Paul said, Ephesians, Ephesians, um, you, you hear the gospel, and then you have to choose to believe, and when you choose to believe this gospel, you then will be filled with his Holy Spirit, who will then help you hear his voice. I mean, we sang this morning, an old hymn. When was the last time you sang in the garden? I'm telling you, that old hymn writer, he knew, he knew that, that he could come to, because to, any place is a beautiful garden when, when you come to him. No matter where you are, you're coming into his presence. It is a picturesque garden. You're coming into his presence, and you can know he not only knows your voice, and he's going to say it again. I know you. You know me. It is a relationship that beats none other. A relationship between the shepherd and the sheep is like no other relationship. And when you choose to come in, when he says, I'm that gate, whoever enters, he's opened it forever, but whoever comes through that gate makes that choice to come through the gate. Look what the reward is. Did you notice? Look what the reward is. Now, terms, the terms are, are difficult. The terms are no nonsense. There's only, there's, only one, there's only one way he's making the terms. are There's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I mean, you know, and you try, you try figuring in your own terms and try to do it your way. No, nope, it's not going to work. I mean, I, th- I don't think we missed that. But when you do come in on his terms, look what the reward is. I'll save you. Now, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to come in on his terms? Why is it so hard to do it his way? Why, why, is, it, why is it so much easier to say, well, really, that's, that's kind of narrow-minded. Why doesn't he have, a, you know, every other, every other um, place we go to, you need more than one door. That's code. 
you need two doorways. You need to be able to get in and out two different ways. I mean, you know, when you're logically speaking, you know, how come there, how come there isn't another way? Why is it so hard for human beings to just buck at that one way? Right, it's self. We just want, we don't want somebody telling us what to do and how to do it. It's that control thing. And he will somehow, some way, make sure that we get the fact that he is in control. You know, we love to say that when it fits us. Oh, the Lord's in control. Until when it comes down to, yeah, but I don't want him to control me. If we were honest, that's, that's the human nature. I love to think that we have a God who reigns. And, and when we pray for our country today, and we know the, the, we know the division and the trouble that we're in, oh, it, I take such comfort in the, in the truth that our God reigns, and he is in control, and he knows, and he sees the end, and how this is all going to work out. I take comfort in that. But this is a personal story that he's saying. That means I am in control of you. And that's why you and I bucket. But when he says, but let me tell you about the reward. When you choose to come in by my terms, I will save you. What does he save you and I from? Why, why is that such a good word when he says, I will save you? What do we need to be saved from? From yes, we need to save from from our own self, which will take us right straight to hell. Unfortunately, if we don't turn and listen and obey, but He saves us from yeah our sins. We will never stand in front of Jesus someday for our sins. He looks at you and me through the blood. And so we look pure and blameless to him. He saves us from ourself, from our sin, from, from judgment for those sins. We, will, we are saved from hearing this. Huh, never knew you. No, that might not sound like much, but when, you're, when, when Jesus, the Savior, looks at you and says, huh, never knew you. I mean, when he says, you come on my terms, I will save you, and you will never hear those words because I know your name. And we're saved from eternal death, eternal hell. And these, in his look, look at it, he says, um, he will come in and go out and find pasture. That's another part of the reward. He saves us, and then we have this freedom of coming in and out. Well, what does that mean, come in and out and find pasture? It's kind of like what he said to that, um, that adulterous woman, that sinful woman, and he said to them, he said to both of them, he said, now go and sin no more and go live in peace. He wants you and I to live full and abundant. 
not worry and panicked and 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 always live in fear. He doesn't. He said that's not that's not the way I came to have you live. And and the world will lie to you. The enemy, the God of this world, will lie to you. And because of your human nature, you seem to gravitate to those words and believe the lies. When you watch the news, you believe that yeah, all is doomed. Everything everything is hopeless. That's a lie. It's a thief and a robber who's trying to lie to you and tell you that you are hopeless and that you, that you live, that, you, that it's natural to live in worry and fear and panic. That's a lie. And he said, my reward is not only do I save you, but you can come in and out. You can and find pasture. Find, you will find that no matter whether you're in or out, wherever, you're, wherever life takes you, good times and bad times, I am enough. You'll always find I am enough for you. I will always have for you what you need just when you need it. When you said you will you will go in and out and find pasture, you will never ever be in a time where I'm not there. All you have to do is reach out and call to me. I'm there. That's that's part of the reward. You come in on my terms, I'll save you. And I will let you go through life knowing that I am enough for every day. Or you, you can go, like, my mind went to Revelation, and I went to Revelation 21, where, where um, we know that we'll be a part of the new heaven and the new earth, and there's a gateway made out of a pearl, and we will be able to go in and out, always reminded that it was because of Jesus that we can even be there. But I think we can't even fathom the extraordinariness of going in and out in the new heaven and the new earth. He's saying, I will give you reward, a reward that is beyond anything that you could ever think you're giving up here, like your own self and control. My rewards outweigh that by leaps and bounds. He goes on and says, that liar, that thief, it comes to destroy you. This world, your natural human nature, uh, that, that all, they lie to you. And really, what they're doing is they're, gonna, they're going to steal, kill, and destroy. Just think. Just think about that. Anything other than Jesus and his word. And you think about how many, you know, words. I, I think of this one minister who, who, oh, he started out so right. And then I don't know what got a hold. He started believing the lies. He started becoming a thief and robber. He tried to tell his congregation that, oh, listen, there's no such thing as hell. In the end, it's all he's going to save everybody. Now, you tell me, itching ears, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That means I can go in on my terms and, and know that in the end, it's all going to turn out fine. There's no consequences, and, and it'll all be fine. 
It's that, it's that minister that I told you umpteen times about the minister in that church says this, you know, during this Lent season, we're not going to talk about the blood. Don't worry, you can come every one of these weeks during Lent and you can know we're only going to talk about the love of Jesus. We're not even going to get into that about that blood. I'm telling you, that's a thief and a liar. And what he's doing to those thousand people sitting out there because the human itching ears want to hear. They want to hear, oh, good, no hell. Oh, good, I don't have to be. Because you know what the blood does? It convicts. You think, oh, my goodness, he did that for me. He went to the cross. He shed his blood for me. After all, what I know who I am, and you start, you start to realize, I, this is uncomfortable, the blood makes me feel uncomfortable. It makes me see myself for what I really am. I don't think I like this. So if, if, you, have a, if you have a man that's going to say, we're not even going to go there, that's fine with me. And that's why Paul said to Timothy when he passed his hat off to him. He says, oh, Timothy, beware. It's so easy to want to preach what they want to hear. Sometimes you've got to preach what they don't want to hear because I tell you the truth, Jesus says. There's not a humpteen terms here. There's only one, and it's mine. And I set it up, and this is the way it goes. And you ought to be grateful that I came up with one term. You deserve nothing. I mean, you and I, in all reality, should be running to that one gate. We should be listening to the, one, the terms that he sets up without any question or hesitation. But we are battling liars. We're battling our human nature. We're battling with our, with our itching ears one here. If it wasn't for the blood, there would be no crucifixion or resurrection. That means no salvation. And we better become blind and humble of ourselves so we go to the cross knowing these are the terms So when he says, the thief comes, the thief comes, and believe me, you know, when we think of a thief and robbers, we instantly think, oh, bad guys, bad guys. But, oh, don't we know that we've been warned about some of these bad guys? They, they're wolves with the cutest sheep clothing on that you can, you can imagine. And because they're saying what you want to hear, it's just so easy This is a powerful salvation message this morning. <laughs> and even Tom said, he says, I don't know how many times I've heard this salvation message, but he says, man, he said, it was good to hear it. I mean, you can never, you and I should, we, we should never say, oh, this again? Oh, my goodness. Doesn't you know any other message to talk about? No. Everything stems from this. And because the more we grow and get to know him better and realize we know ourselves so well, and if he hadn't done what he had done, what we would be, and I'm thinking, if if the more we understand that concept, the more we want to hear that story again and again. The more I'm reminded of what he has done for me and the terms he's set up, the more I want it. 
Because the more I go to the cross and realize that is where it all changed for me, the more I do that, the more it kind of sets me back so I don't listen to those liars and I don't listen to those thieves that want to rob me of the truth and keep me from what I need to do and take it serious. Jesus comes in after that, and he gives us John 10.10. And we know that verse, but look at the context that he put that verse in. He said, I am the gate. I've made it available. But these are the terms. There's no other way. And whoever comes, I'll save. And I'll, I'll let them come in and out and always find, pastor, they'll always find that I'm enough for them. And don't believe those lies. Be mindful of your humanity and know that you gravitate to what you want. But then he comes back with this verse and he said, I came and I did all of this. So not only would I save you, but you would have life abundant to the full. So not just mere survival, get up in the morning and hope you've got enough energy for the day. But wake up in the morning knowing today, because of that blood, it will soothe my doubts and calm my fears. And it will dry all my tears. The blood that gives me strength from day to day will never lose its power. That's abundant living, if you ask me. Abundant living doesn't mean your life's going to be long and easy and comfortable. That's not the definition of abundant when it comes to Jesus. Abundant life is when you can wake up every morning, a new day, saying, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And when peace like a river, sorrow might come today, 2020 might not be the easiest year, and yet I'm more grounded than I've ever been because whatever happens this year, he wants to use me to show his glory. See, when you start understanding what Jesus, these red letters, the truth, he's saying this is how, this is abundant living and you can have it every day. Don't believe the world, the lion world that tells you you need and you should and you've got to have it. No, you have everything. I am your pasture. I have the words for you. You are mine. And he goes on, he says, I am the good shepherd. I mean, I, I've been looking at these red letters, and I've been really enjoying that because when he gets on a roll, he gets on a roll. That's why this morning I know I'm on a roll, but I am following. I'm following the leader, and he's on a roll. He doesn't stop. He says, "Okay, you know, I want you to have life. I want you to have it to the fullest." I and here, here it goes again. And that's another thing Tom said. He says, I wondered how it was going to go because he just repeats himself all the time. And, and it's true. And I said, that's the point. 
This is the point he wants us to see. What kind of relationship are you in? It's not cutesy here. It's a shepherd and the sheep. And he says, I, you, are, you are mine. Isaiah 43, remember? Another one of those verses where I said, keep your bookmark. Every now and then, I need to hear the Lord say, you are mine. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. And when you go through the rivers and the floods and the fire, I'm there. I need to hear that every now and then. So he goes on again. Hear it again, you guys. He says, hear it in. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd will lay down his life for those sheep. And then he says, the hired hand. Now, only way I could really think this through was when I thought, you know, when you own something, I remember when we rented, and it's not that we didn't take care and respect someone's property, but when we bought our first home, I, no, it wasn't, no, we bought our first trailer home. Oh, I mean, when we took ownership, there was something about that. Even we drove to Otagon Mobile Home Park, and, and there was that little Holly Park, but it was ours. We owned that. We didn't have much, but it was ours. And there is a mentality when you own something, you just feel differently about it. And he says, everybody gets that. He said, okay, the hired hand, I mean, the, sh the shepherd knows he needs help, so the hired hand, and then he goes on to explain the hired hand is not, he is not the shepherd. He does not look at those sheep the same way. Because that shepherd, he owns those sheep. And you know, a verse that came to my mind, we are not our own. We are not our own. We come to the cross. It's not about me anymore. It's about him. And Paul says, we are not our own. We've been bought. We've been bought. And it was expensive. And he owns us now. But ownership in a relationship, when someone owns you, that means they're going to, they, you're their pride and joy. He said, that, that hired hand, that hired hand is not going to look at the same way. And when the wolf comes, he abandons. You think about that. If the wolf comes, what, what is that hired hand going to do? He's going to be the first one over the fence. Because he could care less about those sheep. He doesn't have a relationship with those sheep. It's just a job to him. And if it's his life or those measly sheep, he's out of there. And then Jesus says it again. I am. I am the good shepherd. There is a whole difference when there's shepherd. And look how he puts it. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Is that a tight relationship or what? And he said, that's what I want with my children. I want you so tight with me. I know you so well, but I want you to know me so well so that together we work. 
said, I know the Father, the Father knows me. I mean, he said, as tight as my Father and I are, that's how tight I want you and me to be. I lay down my life for the sheep. And then verse 16, didn't, didn't you just love that when he said, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I mean, we know that Jesus came for his Jews, for he was he came from you know Jewish nationality, and he loved the Jews. The gospel went first to the Jews. So that that's that you get that. But then look at it. I must. There's other sheep, and I must bring them also. I'll tell you, we can be so glad, grateful for that verse this morning that he went after other sheep, because that's us. But then look, look, what, look how he makes that word picture. He takes the, in, he looks, look at the difference. You got Jews, you got Gentiles. I mean, we know there couldn't have been a farther gap between the two. Yet, you put him in the same sheep pen. What does he call them? What does he call the sheep? You know, even when once they're all in the sheep pen together, he says, they're one flock, one shepherd. Bye. Reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. That was a mouthful, but he repeated about three times saying, you know what? I I will lay my life down and I will raise it up again. I mean, he is just so sure of who he is, isn't he? I mean, we picture, we, we jump ahead and we know when those soldiers came with those, with uh, swords and, you know, Judas came to betray and oh, oh, how they needed Judas because they would have never been able to get him without, you know. And we know the story so well. And then you read these verses and you know, Jesus said, at the exact time I handed myself over. I have the authority to hand my life over, but then I have the authority to raise it back up again, take it back up again. This really should show those men who he is. I mean, he's talking, I lay my life down. I have the authority to take it back again. I call the shots. I'm the son of God. I'm the son of man. I mean, if you you have different versions, some say son of God, some say son of man. Same same person. He's God, and he's trying to get them to see that. My father gave me this command, and I said yes. And he told me that I have the authority to end my life and to shed my blood to fulfill what needs to be fulfilled and I have the authority on the third day to rise up again. 
No one, no one is more powerful than he is. And you think they would want a relationship and know him like this. Okay, here's your choice. Here's your choice. These words, here's the greatest gospel message laid out in the exact terms. (laughs) And then it's up to you. These words, the Jews again, they were divided. You know, and I know last week it's a hard concept to think that Jesus divides, but it's not that he divides, it's his message does because and he came to save, but but you have the choice, and if you don't choose, that's not his fault. So in this message, you're going to get that. And Jesus, he will divide sheep from the goats, the believer from the unbeliever. I mean, this is, there's some that choose to say, no thanks. When it comes to God's message, the one term, there's this, where there's one way, he's, okay, what are you going to do with it? All right? And it, it, it looks like he divides, the message divides. It's really, it really doesn't divide the message itself. It's people's choices. So again, there was division. Because what? Some said, oh, man, what a nutcase. He's possessed with, he's raving mad. Others said, hey, wait a minute. These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. I mean, they're, they're starting to say, hey, you know what? I, I might want to ask a few more questions. I mean, this is not, you think about it. They're opening up their heart, and that's all it takes. You're willing and desire to open up your heart and want to know more? Oh, my he can't wait to show you. But again, you're gonna, there's only two paths here. And that's why you see division. Because two distinct paths never come together. When they're going in totally different directions, they'll never come together. So that's what happens. I mean, you know, you have you have a choice to make here. Then came then came the feast of dedication. It was winter, so it was it was Hanukkah. And at this special time, then um, they went to Solomon's colonnade, Solomon's porch, and that was a real place. It was on the east side of Herod's temple, and it was where people um, wanted to know about Jesus, talk to Jesus. In Acts, it was when they would go back and then talk about him. I mean, it really was a place where Christians, believers could go. And they gathered there and said to him, how long... Will you keep us in suspense? How long? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. I'm hearing some snickers, and I hope when you study this, I hope you did. I hope you laughed right out loud. Because that is so ridiculous. And to make it 
make it ridiculous, I thought, I'm going to write some of these things down, and I did. You know, from, from John 3 on, I wanted, I wrote down some of the things that Jesus has been telling them. Um, and just, just listen. In John 3, I told you, I am the one who came from heaven. Also in John 3, I told you, who believes on me, whoever believes on me will have eternal life. John 5, I told you, I am the unique son of God. Also in John 5, I told you, I will judge all humanity. Continuing on in that chapter, I told you, all should honor me just as they honor God the Father. I told you. I told you that Hebrew scriptures all speak of me. And you take such pride in knowing the Hebrew scriptures. Then it's kind of like when, I, when we read a few weeks ago when Jesus cried out, you do too know me, when they said, we don't know who you are. We don't know where he comes from. When the, when the Messiah comes, we don't. You do too. I told you. I told you I perfectly reveal God the Father. I told you I always please God and I don't sin. I told you I'm uniquely sent from God. I told you that before Abraham was, I am. I told you the Son of Man prophesied, was prophesied by Daniel. I told you I will raise myself from the dead. I told you I am the bread of life. I told you I'm the light of the world. I told you I'm the door, I'm the gate, and I told you I'm the good shepherd. Don't tell me I didn't tell you. <laughs> and when I put when I put it down, then I realized again how ridiculous that statement really was and how um, tell us plainly. I mean, what I just said to you could have been any plainer. See, the difference between can't and won't. And he says it. He says it in these next words. I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. You are not my sheep. Now, whose fault is that? Their own. And again, I know we could take that verse and we could take it in a whole different theological, but, but just, just take it simply. When you hear Jesus, when you take it in the continuity of this book, you heard Jesus said that whoever comes, I, I've, I've opened the way. And when you come through that one gate, you will become my sheep and you will know my voice. And then when he makes a statement, you don't, you don't know because you are not my sheep. And that's not my fault. You didn't want to be. And if you don't want to be, you won't get the rewards. See, we, we, we went at length this morning saying, what are the rewards when you follow his terms? See, but humanity, human nature, wants the rewards without the obedience. And it doesn't work, especially when it comes to the gospel. 
So you do not, my sheep, my sheep listen. My sheep listen to my voice. You know, the more that intimacy grows with you and your shepherd, the, the closer that gets. I mean, it is so, it is so, you can people say, well, what, is he, what does it sound like? How do I know his voice? I mean, we don't audibly hear it. How do I know? Well, when you're in a, when you're in an intimate walk with them, you just do. You just know when he's talking to you. And this is one of the concepts where when I say Jesus can't be explained, he has to be experienced. This is one of the things. I mean, I can try to convince you that when, when you walk in a strong, right relationship, you will know his voice. But, you know, you can't just take my word for it. You experience that. You will know if you want to hear his voice, you will hear it. But the big question is, how many times don't we, we're like these guys. We don't want to listen because we don't want to change. We, we don't, our pride is, you know, or whatever. We know we want our way. We want to stay in control. And we don't want to surrender. So it's easier just to uh, put it in our own terms. And then we wonder why we don't hear his voice. We wonder why we don't have the peace that he promises my sheep, my sheep will listen. They will want to hear. They will want, they, because they know that the shepherd loves them so much because he's willing to lay his life down for them that the shepherd knows and the sheep know that in this relationship they can follow knowing that the shepherd will never lead him to a wrong place. That's why in this in the first part of this chapter, when Jesus said, then he leads him out. You know, he first he first got to go into this the pen. You know, you have to choose to go through the one gate. It's a salvation pen. But then he calls us out. I think this is so. You know, when you think about it, it's you know when we come to the cross, he doesn't he doesn't keep us there. You know, in our in our um. He, he, he turns us around and sends us back into our lives. He sends us back into life. But he says, my sheep will listen to me. So when we leave the cross and we're changed people, he instills with us his Holy Spirit, and he expects us now to follow him. This is the way it works. You come to the this, this salvation pen and that's like instance like justification you're saved instantly but then he sends you back out but then he says follow your shepherd you listen to my voice because I will lead you and you are now on my path that's the sanctification process that's when you choose to become more and more like him and you know he will never leave you lead you down a wrong path That's right. You go out. He says, I now want to send you out. But, but still, you know, we need to still be following. He doesn't say, he doesn't turn us around from the cross and say, well, good luck out there. I mean, what if he did? What a mess. 
I send you out. I turn you around. I put you back out there, but you will follow. I mean, he says that. When he is brought out, he calls him his own sheep by name, leads them out, and when he is brought out, all his sheep, he goes on ahead of him, them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. This is the way it's set up. You make the choice to go into the gate, the one and only gate, and then he turns you around then because now you're his sheep. And he says, now you go out there. You go out living, but you're different because you're following somebody. You are not your own anymore. You belong to me. You follow me. See, isn't this chapter a whole lot different than you thought? Isn't this chapter a whole lot deeper than you thought? So then, he said, my sheep, verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. Oh, here's here's another perk. I mean, this is another, here's a reward. If you are willing to follow his terms, if you're willing to follow his voice, and you are willing to believe, I am no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. I am following the shepherd's voice. It might not lead me down the path I want, but you know what? My life's not about me anymore. It's about him. And that's the thing we have got to restructure. It is not about me anymore. And he said, but look, I know that, that's a lot, he says, but I will give you eternal life, and you will never perish. No one else can say that to you. There is no one or nothing that else that can say, oh, they might throw a lie into you, you know, but no one in all, I tell you the truth, it's only me, I'm the one that can give you eternal life, I'll see to it, you never perish, and then, and no one, no one or nothing can ever snatch you from the Father's hand. My hand, the Father's hand. I'll tell you, if that's not securing, if that's not a feeling of protection, when the world is flying apart at the seams, we, no one or nothing can snatch you and I from, from the Father's hand. Once you're his sheep... No, I found such beauty in that. I mean, I, I see such, I, I hear Jesus just passionately, you know, bringing this out, and I don't think he's just, you know, got his arms, oh, well, you know, I think he, he's intense here. I mean, I'll give you eternal life. I'll see you don't perish. I'll make sure that you know that nothing or no one can snatch you from me. You are mine. You'd think, why wouldn't anybody want that? And there again, look. Can, won't. No. They picked up stones. They picked up stones and they tried to stone him. I, and then Jesus comes back. I have shown you 
so many great miracles. I mean, I've done things and I've said things that only I, the Son of God, could possibly say to you. And you should be remembering all the words that you take so so much pride in knowing. You should put all these pieces together. And if you really want to know, you would see how it all fits perfectly. But you don't want it, so you pick I have shown you everything and said everything you need to hear. So for which of these miracles that I've done, what are you stoning me for? Well, we're not stoning you because of what you did. We're stoning you because you said you were God. You claim to be God, and you're a mere man. How can they say you're just a mere man? And that's what Jesus is trying to say. How can you say that I'm just an ordinary man? Look what you heard me say. Look at you. Look at who you heard me say where I've come from. Look what you've seen me do. Is there any, is there anybody else doing this? Because you don't want to believe it. You don't want to believe that I'm the one that was promised for hundreds and hundreds of years. And yes, every piece of the prophecy puzzle has been fulfilled. And you, of all people, should see it. And then he meets them back on their terms. He says to them, because you are going to throw, you're going to stone me because I, I, I was the son of God. He, he says, okay, um, is it not written in your law? Oh, I love that, didn't you? You're, you know, the one that you, you know, you have all the answers and you're so smart mouth and you're so judgmental and critical and crabby face. Um, you know, that law, in that law, you know, uh, go back to Psalm 82. And I didn't know this. This was, this is why it's so worth studying. And Psalm 82, and it says it down in my, um, in my Bible. <laughs> Why did, why did, in verse 34, why did the reference tell me to go to Psalm 82? So I went to Psalm 82. And, you know, and this is what I appreciate. It's not a commentary. It's going back to, it's a referring from one scripture to another. And I did not know this. I did not know that in the time of the judges, it was permissible to call the judges gods because they had the authority to determine people's destinies. I mean, they called the shots on people's lives. And so back in that day, they were called gods. So it said, I have, is it not written in your law? I have said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, what about the one whom the father set apart as his own and sent into the world? What about him? You know, he's saying, you're not consistent at all. It's okay to do that, to just mere mortal men, give them the title of gods, and that's perfectly permissible because they are the judges and calling the shots on people's futures. But yet, but yet, 
I am called the son of God and look at my witness and my testimony and, and my proof and you can't even try to understand? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said I'm, I'm God's son. Do not, don't believe me unless I do what my father does. But if I do, in other words, check it out. They're not even checking it out. They plug their ears, and they don't want to hear, and he's saying, just open up. Would you just try to understand? If I do it, even though you don't believe me, I don't even care if you don't believe me, believe the miracles that you know and understand that the Father is in me. I mean, it's so beautiful. It's, 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 I, even if it's not about me, it's what the Father, the, the God, the Father God, who you are so, you know, um, so prideful in that you stand for. Well, try going on that angle. I mean, that he, God the Father, is working in me. Try to understand that. Father is in me, and I in the Father. I mean, he, he couldn't have spelled it out any clearer. And even in this, he says, just, just try. Just try to see and add up all what you've been hearing, all what you've been seeing, and know that God does that. Again, they tried to seize him. He said, oh, nope, nope. But he escaped their grasp. See, time's running out, but it is still not the exact time when he hands himself over. But time is short. So, you know, these past two chapters, I mean, can you just see Jesus saying, let's get out of here. We need to get away from this. We need to just, we need to just kind of get our, get back to the the roots. Let's just go back and let's just have a good talk. And they go across the Jordan. They get away from Jerusalem. They get away from all the noise and all that. And they get by the Jordan. And I can just picture them. They're the you know those who want to follow. And and he doesn't stop anybody. But now they're just by the Jordan, and they're just. And who do they start talking about? I mean, look where conversation goes. It says. They, they went to the place, and I could just hear him say, hey, you know where, you know where, you know what happened here? Do you remember? Remember when John the Baptist came on the scene? This is where he was baptizing in those early days. I mean, John the Baptist is long gone. Oh, is this a wake-up call? When we are long gone, you think about they, they come and they regroup and they talk about this man and he was just a mere man but they started talking about him and it says he stayed, here's where he stayed and many people came to him and they probably then all of a sudden they start talking you know what, he never did any miracles he didn't perform any miracles and yet Everything he said about Jesus was true. So 
And then, then the chapter finishes by saying, and, and in that place, many believed in Jesus because of John the Baptist, who's long gone, but whose life, he lived a life that was just full of integrity and godly character and no nonsense. He knew his mission. He never, he didn't let self get in the way. He followed the shepherd's voice. He, and even when he was, I'm sure it had to be a temptation because in human nature it is when, when his followers said, Hey, you know, you better sharpen up. I mean, everybody's leaving here and going with with that guy. I mean, human nature says, oh, man, I don't want to be. I mean, look how pathetic I was last week when I said, oh, dear, everybody's going to leave this study because of this terrible voice, and no one's going to want to come here. Oh, I just am so ashamed. I dare admit it to you because I know human nature, and human nature will lie to you and tell you. The truth is, it doesn't matter who you are if you're stating the truth. I mean, because I'm sure they had some laughs too. I'm sure they said, oh, remember his clothes? Or do you remember what he ate? I mean, I'm sure there was things about John the Baptist that they had to just smile about because he was a character. But the thing is, many people came to know at this time because John the Baptist stayed true to who he was. And he knew who he was in Christ Jesus. He knew his mission. And he said, oh, that is perfectly fine that they go follow him. That's exactly the way it's supposed to be. I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. See, he knew who he was. He knew who his God was, and he knew who he was. And what a witness and what a testimony. And it stays going even after you're gone. If that's not a wake-up call to remember and to remind ourselves that people are watching, not only now, but when we're gone, did we, do, did we, and are we making a dent? Are we staying true to the character? Are we so veering off course because we, we compromise? Because, you know, no, people, look at this. He didn't even do big miracles. He just stayed true to the truth. Tell you, he won a great prize from Jesus. Remember when Jesus was talking about him? He said, There is no man born of woman. That's like John the Baptist. Heavenly Father, you have told us. And it is plain, and it is simple, and yes, it is deep, but if we want an intimate relationship with you, you can't wait to give it. We have a shepherd. We, have, we can hear his voice. We can follow. Father, it's so clear when Jesus told the parable about that one little rascal who thought he was in control and he, the grass is greener and he knew better and he flipped in, in the thorn bushes and couldn't even flip back. He needed his shepherd. Father, may we just see how illustrated and how beautiful the message is and how we are that sheep and we have a shepherd oh we want 
to really listen because we know our shepherd who gave his life for us will never lead us in the wrong place, even though it might not be where we want to go. It might not be comfortable and happy, but it is not about us anymore. Are we willing to be so grateful for our salvation that we will allow you to show your glory through us in any way? And we will praise you. You are worthy of our worship because we honor you, we love you, and we surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen.